if you're about to spit out a sprog and deliver exactly what humanity needs, a higher population, yes, buying an SUV is seen often enough as the price of admission to club breeder. Keep watching though, because this report intends to save you five to 10,000 bucks. I'm John Cadogan from autoexpert.com.au, the place where Australian new car buyers save thousands of their next new cars. Hit me up on the website for that. This is all one question, okay, but I get hundreds of different flavours of this particular proposition every month, so I just split it up into chunks here, the better to slice it and dice it once and for all. I need some help. We're about to have a baby and it's time to upgrade the wife's car, currently a Volkswagen Golf GTI, and get her something bigger and safer. I've been watching a lot of John's videos to narrow down the options. We want something newish, dealer demo or very low case. The wife is a tech-savvy car enthusiast who likes her cars to have a sporty feel and performance. She's also big into design and branding, so looks, interior and exterior, play a big part. She's big on sunroofs. Panoramic, a bonus. She wants boot space, pram, shopping, suitcase. The upper limit of my budget is around 35 grand. I'm not really much of a car brand man, so I just want bang for bark around a time where we're going down to one income and we can better use the money elsewhere. How predictably unlike a woman to want it all despite, you know, racing up to this cliff of impending financial constraint. So let us weigh this up in the domain of objective fact, shall we? And pro tip, brace for impact. 35 grand, okay, it's insufficient for a new or demo sporty high-tech, fully loaded, panoramic, sunroofed SUV that will be objectively larger than a Golf, which is really just a conventional small car segment entry. Let's not forget, like, no, 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 the Kia Serato, a Hyundai i30, Toyota Corolla, Mazda 3, cars like that. I think there's about another 25 vehicles in that segment that you could buy if you want to make a list. And I'd suggest this is a complete industry misnomer, this small car thing, because these so designated small cars really are not that small. And here's the evidence, okay? Back in 1985, which is practically the Jurassic, I know, the gorgeous Holden VK Commodore was considered something of a family car du jour. Well, today, the Kia Cerato sedan is considered a small car. The comparison there is that the Cerato is only three inches shorter. It's actually 74 millimetres, if you'd like to be precise. But the Cerato has a longer wheelbase, so it gives you more space in the cabin for passengers. And the 1.5-litre turbo engine in the Cerato makes 75% more power than the 3.3-litre six-cylinder Commodore did way back then, despite being less than half of the cubic capacity but I digress. Uh, the short version of this is cars have come a long way, but the dimensions really haven't changed that much. So let us go back to the demands of the sunroof infatuated car nut brand snob wife. Medium to large SUVs under about a hundred grand. Well, they're not going to be as sporty as a Golf GTI. 
I'd suggest. So, obvious conclusion, it's time to compromise here. A fact, okay, the Golf and all other cars in this segment are actually large enough for a baby capsule, a pram, a suitcase, and shopping. <laughs> yes, living hell, here we come. Especially in the case of the cars, as the rear seat does the split fold with twist and pike, right? Cars in this segment are also quite safe. So my advice here is, Get a pram and some shopping bags and a suitcase and experiment with the Golf. Leave the curbside portion of the rear seat up because you want to be taking your kid out of the car on the curbside, obviously for safety so you don't get cleaned up while you do that. And then just fold the other portion of the seat down, the bit on the traffic side, and guess what? All that baby-related crap is going to fit without leaving the baby compromised whatever. So I'm really not seeing this as an objective reason to upgrade, okay? Even though a lot of people propose it to me, I'm just not seeing it. Beyond just a personal preference to join the I spat out a baby and bought an SUV club, it really just doesn't add up. And do remember, a nice sporty SUV with all the toys, even a mainstream one like a Tucson Highlander or a CX-5 Akira, well... Sad to say, that's going to cost you about 50 grand. And that's $15,000 more than you want to spend right on the cusp of sucking it up financially and going down to one income at the same time as bringing a money-sucking black hole of diminutive, <laughs> diminutive human being home from friggin' hospital. She loves her VW, but I hate everything they stand for, so I refuse to buy one. She likes the look of the Kia Sportage and Kia Seltos. The Seltos is more in our budget over the Mazda, and we haven't looked into much more than that. Okay, so Kia is one of the mainstream car makers I recommend. They're great in terms of quality, warranty, and support, so they're on my to-buy list, but Seltos and Sportage, let's not forget, are roughly the same size as the Golf, except for a small difference in height, which is, you know, the least useful cargo dimension. The Golf, 4.268 metres long on a 2.626 metre wheelbase. And Seltos is 4.37 metres long on a 2.63 metre wheelbase. So if you're not juggling those four digits all that well upstairs, let me break it down for you. This is just a 10 centimetre difference in overall length. Seltos being longer, and no tangible difference in the wheelbase. And the pro tip there, wheelbase is important because it's an excellent barometer of the passenger space available inside the cabin. Because longitudinally, people sit between the wheels. Sportage, okay? It's 11.5 centimetres longer again than Seltos, and just 4 centimetres more in the wheelbase but a fully loaded Sportage GT line petrol is recommended drive away at about 49,000 bucks. And sure, you can negotiate, right? And you'll probably get it for about 45 grand, which is still 10 grand over budget. And I'd suggest that's a hell of a lot more cash to drop on about eight inches of additional cargo bay length compared with the Golf you already own. 
These dimensional differences do not constitute the potential to satisfy anyone's desire for a substantially bigger vehicle with considerably more internal space. Although you can fool yourself quite easily into thinking that they do. Doing this is a complete waste of your cash and every car dealer on earth is going to be most happy to see you throw it all away in exactly this way. I heard John recently say that it's a myth that you need an SUV as a family car and that, for example, a Serato Hatch 1.6 Turbo would be better bang for buck, but I'd need to see it to make sure it's big enough. Oh frigging contraire. This is an issue like gravity or the laws of thermodynamics, I'd suggest. To me, it exists entirely in the domain of objective facts. We're talking about dimensions, which can be measured and quantified quite precisely. And the pro tip here, speaking as an engineer, I'd just suggest that seeing something is the worst possible test imaginable for the definitive dimensional analysis of just about anything. Human beings are good at some stuff, okay, there's no doubt, but we are collectively, as a species, absolutely, totally beyond crap at volumetric and other spatial perception tasks. Which is why we invented the frigging tape measure, because people just cannot be relied upon to cut pieces of wood to the same length or something in any other way, just by seeing it and going for it, for example. This is why those evil bastards in supermarkets make bottles long and thin. We're talking about all bottles, right? Wine bottles, soft drink bottles, salad dressing bottles, water bottles, whatever. They're all pretty tall and pretty thin, I think you'd agree. And this is a very inefficient shape at all, meaning they waste a lot of material doing it this way relative to the volume of contents that is stored in each bottle. And you could make the bottles so much more efficient by making them shorter and fatter. And yet, they do this for a very important reason, which is because it convinces consumers that they're getting more of whatever contents. Because they're seeing it and it just looks bigger please. Don't waste my friggin' time on seeing is believing. People get out of cars and they climb into SUVs in dealerships all the time and because the ceilings are just higher in the SUV, they look around and they convince themselves that it's so spacious. They say that the five or ten grand price hike over a comparable car is worthwhile just because it feels so much more roomy in there. They're seeing it Yes. And because of the actual dimensional similarity in length, width and wheelbase, of course, the SUV is in practice no better at accommodating any new baby and all the crap the little bastards demand for their complete logistic support. It's inversely proportional to the size of the human, really, isn't it? The smaller the human, the more shit you've got to carry to look after them. So, if you're a breeder... Just realise these facts. Money's about to be tight. Babies cost heaps. And your total household income is about to be halved, or thereabouts. Financially, it's just not going to be an uplifting time. So don't do this upgrading bullshit. Don't do it to yourselves. Breed, by all means. It's not like an, it's optional, is it? You can't unscrew this particular light bulb. 
inflict your genes on the next generation if that's what you want to do. It's why we're all here after all. You think it's here to have a good time and a worthwhile life, whatever. You're really not. You're just here as a transport mechanism for genes to the next generation. Hashtag evolution. So spit out that new kid. Be continuously sleep deprived and wake up every day crying, feeling much as Jesus must have upon his hasty resurrection after death the first time. But see how the golf does, okay? Just see how it goes, facilitating all of those transport logistics, the baby and the crap, because I think you'll find it's going to be okay. If it's really too small, though, after you have actually tried it with a proper baby really on board and all the crap that you have to carry, and yes, I have done this, but only three friggin' times, only then... Put your precious 35 grand on the table and upgrade. I know this is not what you and your you know, up-the-duff, tech-savvy car enthusiast, brand snob, panoramic, sunroof-obsessed wife really want to hear. But hey, the world's only living garden, I'm Satan's automotive ambassador on the mortal coil, is simply not that interested in being in the appeasement business. If you think I'm being a bastard spelling this out in this way, then... I doubt I could argue the objective toss with you on that. Just don't take Pascal's wager on the SUV, please. Because it's really not going to help, although it might make you feel good and perhaps that's enough. Believing is going to cost you 35 grand and then some, okay? That's a sobering reality. Satan's little helper, bastardry aside, this really is an A-grade piece of advice to impending breeders who are about to be financially emasculated. Really, it is. Stick with the car you have. Keep the 35 grand for a rainy day because with a baby on board, the weather ahead is always, to some degree, uncertain. 